Well, we are still in our Kingdom Come series, and as Pastor Benton so ably ministered to us last week, he did a great job. Can we say amen to that and praise God? Christy and I took a few days, and we went to Texas, and uh, we were in hill country in Texas outside of San Antonio. It was like 75, 80 degrees. It was horrible. (laughs) Horrible. We were so happy to get home. We actually were very, very happy to get home. We were driving to church this morning. We had to come. We were here a little earlier than we typically are for different reasons. And as we were driving, Christy looked at me and she said, you know, Hill Country's pretty and I enjoyed the weather, but I like it better here. And so, amen to that. And in my life, if mama's happy, I'm happy. That's how that works. So praise the Lord. But we're, the reason we're still in the Kingdom Come series is not because we didn't have plans to do something else in the month of February, but it's because we feel like the Holy Spirit is just continuing to lead in this direction, in this series of, of lessons, and more as, as we're teaching into it and praying into it, um, we're seeing more and wanting to, feeling like we need to share more. And part of being surrendered, Pastor Ben talked last week about being surrendered to God and to the kingdom of God and living a life of surrender, part of that means sometimes letting go of your plans in order to grab hold of his plans. And I do believe very strongly that we're in the middle of his plans for us right now. And so uh, in our series, Kingdom Come, we've been looking at Christ's words relating to us as he teaches us to pray. And our series text has been Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, where Scripture says, Pray then like this, Jesus speaking, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, have all, we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you've been with us for the series, you'll know what we've talked about. If you haven't been with us for the series, then I encourage you to go on YouTube or Facebook or iTunes and get the audio or vis- video and, and go through it with us because every single lesson has been building upon the next. We've been uh, talking about his kingdom being eternal and our choice. Uh, we've discovered that we're a resident of earth while a citizen of heaven. And that reality is very important concerning what we're speaking about today. That we are a resident of earth, a citizen of heaven. We are in both places, if you will. We talked about the fact that the kingdom of heaven is invading earth and is built on unity. When we talk about unity, unity is not uniformity, but unity is offering grace and living out humility for a greater cause. The cause, the greatest of causes is that others will be saved. Then we talked about Last week, that the kingdom of heaven advances through you, through me, through the people of God. And it advances the furthest when we live a life that is surrendered to the will of the Father. All of these things are true. All of these things are good. But often, we desire to do the will of the Father, and we're sincere in that desire, and yet we struggle in doing the will of the Father. We want to do what is right. We want to do what is good. But 
We struggle in that. And that is a, a difficult thing in our culture today because our culture teaches us often that as long as our intentions are good, as long as we're sincere, then we should automatically be correct. And the fact of the matter is, we are often sincerely wrong. It's not that we intend to be wrong. It's not that we're intending harm or negativity. It's we are sincere. We really believed that that was, we were supposed to be there at seven when it really was six. We really thought that it was going to go that direction and we planned for that and then it went another direction and something went wrong and something got messed up. We're sincere, but we're wrong. We can be sincere in our desire to do heaven's will, abide by heaven's laws, and struggle to do so. In fact, Paul writes about it this way in Romans chapter 7. He says, for I do not understand what I am doing. He's not saying I don't understand what you're doing. He said, I am me and I still don't understand what I am doing. Why not, Paul? Because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Anybody ever said, my father treated me like that, and I'm never going to do that to my kids? Thank you for a few honest people. (laughs) I find myself acting more like my father almost every day. It's frightening. He will listen to this sermon. Dad, I'm scared. <laughs> it's a reality that, that sometimes we, we say, I'm never going to do it that way, but then, but then we do. I do what I hate. Verse 21, he said, I discover this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. And he's not talking about the person sitting next to you or to him. In fact, it's all... In my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Paul has just talked about four laws all going on within him. He's struggling between these laws. In fact, Paul uses this word law several times and certain translations use it even more times than does the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is what we're reading here. What he's showing us is that the will of the residents of earth and citizens of heaven or the will of the believer is struggling between conflicting laws. In fact, believers live in the tension between conflicting laws. Consistently being pushed and pulled, even within our own selves. Layered laws aren't foreign to us, however. They're not foreign to us. We live in layered laws right now. We have the laws of our nation that come out of Washington, D.C. We have the laws of our state, which come out of Columbus. We have the laws of our county. 
We have the laws of our town or township, our village. And then we have the laws of our house. My mom and dad didn't really care about all the rest of those laws as long as I understood the laws of our house. And if I failed to uphold the laws of our house, there was immediate and severe repercussions to my personage. And so I learned to pay attention to the laws of our house. But these are layered laws. We understand how that works, but in the kingdom of God and in the kingdom that is hard to see, it's not all physical, we live in the tension between conflicting laws. And so we're going to look at these laws today and and hopefully bring strength and clarity to the struggle that you may be in. And it is also going to set us up for next week. And this isn't a ploy to get you back here next week, although I hope that you do show up next week. It's really lonely when you don't, just so you know. Sometimes the concepts that we're trying to share are simply bigger than what can be shared in a 30-minute setting. And so we're going to have to take two weeks to be able to bring this concept out of living in the tension between conflicting laws. Because these laws are real, and yet we pray for certain things to happen that seem like they would go against the laws that we're actually talking about today. So our big idea is this. All kingdoms function relative to the kingdom of heaven. They all function relative to the kingdom of heaven. See, every kingdom has laws. Every kingdom, domain of darkness, the kingdom of self, the kingdom of the world, the kingdoms of heaven, kingdom of heaven, all have ways of of creating governing guidelines. And these laws are intended to bring forth the values of those kingdoms. So in a home, sometimes people will, uh, parents will put in a law or what we would call a curfew and be home at this particular time. Now a good law, a good law isn't about control, but about achievement. The word good is important there. A good law is not about control, but about achievement. So a parent looks at a student, looks at a young person, looks at their child and says, I care about you. I want you to be successful in life. I want you to be successful in school. I want you to be successful at work. And so in order for you to achieve that goal, you need a good night's sleep. And I know from experience, like in the dark ages, when I was young, I know that when I'm with friends and I'm out and about and things are exciting, that it's easy for me to lose track of time and and dismiss the idea that I need a really good night's sleep because I'm just having fun right now. And so what I'm going to do is install this law, institute this law that's going to say you're going to be home at this time. It's not because I'm trying to control your world. It's because I'm trying to help you achieve something great in your world and you need a good night's sleep to do that. That's a good law. A young person can say, well, that's just about control, but they may not, at this stage in life, have the experience of staying up till one o'clock in the morning because they can't sleep until they know that their child is safe. They may not have the experience yet to see that rarely are great decisions made after 12 o'clock a.m., Just saying. 
I have no experience in this. I'm just saying. I've heard. So that is relative. That's a rule, a law, if you will, that is relative to the the health of a home. Well, all kingdoms function relative to the kingdom of heaven. Why am I saying that? Because all other kingdoms are focused around, judged against, and ultimately ruled by the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, was established before any other kingdoms existed. Rebellion by the angel Lucifer birthed the dominion of darkness. And it's called the dominion of darkness because it's relative to the light that is Christ. So if it's not with Christ, it's relative to light and therefore it's anti-Christ, thus darkness. So it's the kingdom of darkness. Even its name is derived from its relative position from the kingdom of heaven. We have heaven creating humanity and God Whether he did it literally or figuratively, he placed choice in the Garden of Eden. And self-governance was given. We had the choice to, to make decisions for ourselves. You chose to be here this morning. And so here you are. Your choice determined your actions. Your will defines your actions. And so the kingdom of self was born. And we, we got to make choices. And now humanity chose to disobey God. And so the law of sin and death was engaged. And this is why our relative position is so important to the kingdom of heaven. Because, as Pastor Benton preached last week, when we surrender our will to him, when we surrender our our understanding to him, we're putting ourselves in alignment with him and thus living in the strongest possible position that we can. But when we talk about this idea of something being relative to another thing, that may not be a common concept, so let's look at it like this. Like a map. If you look at a map on your phone or your iPad or your Android device, you're going to see a blue dot on that map. And I thank God for the blue dot. Because what what that blue dot does is it tells me where I am relative to the rest of the community and relative to the world even, I mean, in its largest sense. Now, there was a day way back when, when maps were on this this substance called paper. (laughs) And you would drive down the street at 75 miles an hour and you would open that great big map up and every once in a while pop it down so you could see out your front window and then pop it back up. And and the first thing you would say when you looked at that big map is you would say, now where are we? Or where am I? You'd try to find out where you were, your position relative to the rest of the map. And Christie's called me. She called me one time in Chicago. She said, I'm lost. Tell me where I need to go. I said, okay, where are you? She said, I don't know. Well, then, we're out of luck. (laughs) Start hollering. I'll walk around Chicago till I hear you. What are you supposed to do? If you can't tell me where you are relative to the entire city of Chicago, then I can't help you get where you need to go. I don't know what you need to do. I told her, go north.
She called me from Alaska. It was great. The, uh, I'm kidding. So every kingdom, whichever kingdom it may be, is relative to the kingdom of heaven. It's all going to be positioned with the kingdom of heaven in mind somewhere. So let's look at those things. Thought number one is this. Some laws are designed by heaven. So, for instance, first and foremost would be heaven's laws. Designed by heaven, they reveal the will of the Father. Seen clearly in Christ's life and throughout all of Scripture. From the beginning of Scripture to the end of the Scripture, we are seeing the kingdom of heaven revealed to us. The laws of the kingdom of heaven are being revealed, either through declaration or through interaction. So as we see God deal with Adam and Eve, we learn something about the laws of heaven. He says, if you're not going to align with my will, then you cannot live within the perfection of my kingdom. And so Adam and Eve are separated from God because they choose to disobey God. And and we learn something about the kingdom of heaven's laws, that disobedience to the laws of heaven has repercussions. It's not just choose your own adventure and heaven will make up for whatever you want to do. It's not how heaven's laws work. And you see that throughout Scripture. You see it in, in the life of Noah, in the life of Abraham, in, in, in the life of Moses. Uh, that great band, Peter, Paul, and Mary, as we watch them come out. <laughs> the older congregation got it more, just so you know. Uh, but, the, uh, but when you see Peter, Paul, and Mary in operation, you're watching the kingdom of heaven's laws be revealed. For instance... The kingdom of heaven said to Peter one day, listen, everything you know about the law of Moses and all that it explains about God and about the kingdom of heaven is real and it's valid. But now that Christ has come, there are some things about the law of Moses that has been fulfilled. And because of that fulfillment of the law of Moses and the fact that Christ is the fulfillment of that law of Moses in that he is the savior and he has done what needs to be done to fulfill the law, then there is another revelation that can be opened up to humanity. And that is great, uh, salvation by grace through faith. And what a beautiful revelation that is that we get to live in. But it's the law of heaven that says that once something has been fulfilled, another, greater, more beautiful thing will be opened up to us. That's just part of the kingdom's laws. And it is designed by God. In fact, we find Jesus saying in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's saying, obey my laws. Do what you're called to do. The laws and the commandments of heaven are designed with good in mind. The laws of heaven are not there to beat you down or or tell you how horrible you are. They are there to be a guideline for us to get better and to be more mature as believers and to walk further and stronger in Christ. And today, those laws are chosen by the believer and driven by reciprocal love. In that, Scripture says that the reason we can love him is because he first loved us. And so he, he loved us, and we reciprocate his love with our love, and suddenly we are able to be in relationship with him, and part of that relationship is keeping his commandments. So those are the laws of heaven. But another set of laws that God designed, that heaven designed, is natural law. God designed natural law. In creation, natural law became the reality. The earth began to spin on its axis. It began to rotate around the sun and, and things began to happen. Gravity became a reality and, 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 and it's become, these things become so fixed 
in our world that we can actually predict where a star is going to be hundreds of years from now just by doing the calculations if we want to. And, and our scale is able to tell us how gravity is affecting us personally whenever we step on that. And, it, it, you know, gravity doesn't, doesn't vary. So one minute you're 900 pounds and 20 minutes later you're four feet in the air because you're, you're lighter than air. That's not how it works. I, there are moments I wish it was, but it isn't how it works. And so these are constant things that we can measure, that, we can, that, that God has put into place and ultimately we often take for granted. And scripture indicates that whenever God put all this together initially, things like death and sickness and disease and pain didn't exist at first. But when humanity walked away from God, figuratively, literally, however you're understanding it, when mankind walked away from God, God said, okay, the penalty of that is that natural law shifts. And now the law of sin and death have become part of natural law. We are born in sin, shapen in iniquity. We, we will and we do die. In fact, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, each person is destined to die once. We do not have to die spiritually, but we will die at some point physically unless the Lord comes back first. So something, whether it be a sickness or an accident, will ultimately take our life and we won't be here any longer in our physical form. And citizens of heaven are not entirely exempt from natural law. That's why your scale is accurate before you're saved and after you're saved. Man, I got saved and I lost 50 pounds. Like that, this happened. That doesn't work that way. Something's going to happen. In fact, Matthew chapter 5, verse 45 says, For he gives the sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike. So your spiritual status isn't going to change whether or not you can grow crops out of the ground and whether or not you'll have fresh water to drink. In fact, your spiritual status doesn't change the natural law. You will not get spiritual enough to where sickness, pain, disease, bad days, storms of life don't affect you. So if you're walking with Christ and you're saying, man, I'm just having a bad day, and your friend says, well, that's just because you're a bad sinner. If, you would, if you'd get right with God and get more spiritual, then, you know, you wouldn't have those bad days. That's not a, a, an argument that's valid. It's not an argument that's valid at all because natural law still applies to the believer. In fact, look at it this way. Our personal natural law, our human nature, if you will, didn't change much before and after the fall. Before the fall, we needed to eat. Why else would Eve be standing there looking at fruit, being tempted by that? I promise you, I'm not tempted by anything I don't want. And I don't naturally hunger for. So, so hunger was before the fall and hunger was after the fall. That's why in Texas I ate 73,000 pounds of barbecue. I was just hungry. Before the fall, we were thirsty. And after the fall, we were thirsty. Before the fall, we were called to procreate and had a desire to procreate. After the fall, we desire to procreate. 
The fact of the matter is that human nature before and after the fall remained fairly similar. The difference was that the cravings of life, the desires, human nature became perverted after the fall. So in almost every area of human nature, there's an opportunity for sin. And you say, well, really, uh, you know, we, we really often focus upon sexual sins, but the reality is scripture talks about gluttony in the same way. Yes, we are hungry and it's a natural thing to be hungry and we need fuel to sustain us. However, gluttony is is a sinful thing. That's another attitude entirely, but it's acting upon a natural concept. I hope I'm making sense. But natural law functions relative to the kingdom of heaven. Why do I say that? Because heaven designed these laws and empowers these laws even now. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses, verse 15 and verse 17. The scripture says, Christ is a visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Over all creation. He's ruling over all of it. And then verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. So if Christ is holding all creation together and he's supreme over all of it, then can it be that any part of what is created is outside of the realm of his authority? No. So natural law operates relative to the kingdom of heaven. And that brings us to thought number two. Thought number one is some laws are designed by heaven. Thought number two, some laws are allowed by heaven. Allowed by heaven. And these are the laws of the kingdoms of the world. They govern the actions of the people in in specific societies. Some of them are written laws. Some of them are inherent laws, unwritten laws. Laws give good people direction and give and keep bad people in check. There's a there's a an element to both there. Now you and I we were created to live within a theocracy where God was going to be our ruler and we were just going to follow after him. But over and over throughout the history we see humanity wanting to self-govern. You see it initially in Adam and Eve But you see it in Israel as well, where they are a theocracy, they are a nation that is ruled by God. And so here they are begging God in moments, saying, please let us rule ourselves. Raise up a king from among us so that they can rule over us. Asking God to put somebody, a physical person, to rule over them. And so God allowed it. He allowed self-governance. It's why we encourage people to vote. Because while our hope is not in this world and our future potential is not in this world, the reality is we live within this world. And in our earthly kingdoms, here in the United States specifically, our votes help guide the laws created for this kingdom. And so it's important that we vote. It's important that we vote according to our conscience. We should care what's going on in the world around us and in this earthly kingdom. But citizens of heaven, believers, are not exempt from all of these laws. And if you're, if you're convinced that you are, then just drive about 80 miles an hour down Brent Road over here or down McCord. And there'll be this really, really nice person in a nice, very beautiful car with pretty, pretty lights. And they will pull you over and they will ask you for your license and registration because you are breaking the law by speeding. And you can honestly tell them, officer... 
I'm a citizen of heaven. <laughs> at which time we will visit you at Flower Hospital. And, uh, and you're not lying. And they aren't wrong. In fact, the Pharisees tried this. Tried to say, which one are we, Jesus? They were trying to trick him into saying something that they could use against him, but they're asking him, which one are we? Are, are we citizens of heaven and do we pay attention to that? Or are we paying attention to what's going on here on earth? And in Matthew 22, we find them asking him, tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? April's coming. Do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, he he explains more about this, but in verse 21, he comes to the crux of the matter. He says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So he's not, he's not avoiding their question. He's saying believers can and should obey the laws of the land that you're in while simultaneously obeying heaven. But the kingdoms of the world function relative to the kingdom of heaven. We see this Daniel chapter 2 verse 21. I know I'm using a lot of scripture here today, but I'm hoping as we go deeper into the word of God, I'm hoping that you'll see that we're not just making stuff up here. These things are established within scripture to help us in our relationship with Christ. So Daniel 2, 21, he says he changes times and seasons. He's talking about God orchestrating world events. Then he says he removes kings and sets up kings. So we vote for who we want in office and who we think would be the best person for the job. And then we trust that God has it all under control, even if who is elected isn't whom we voted for. Because he is is negotiating the direction of nations. Then it says he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In our culture today, it's often uh, put out there that the world systems have amazing knowledge and understanding, while often people of faith are presented as less than knowledgeable and have less understanding in general. And that is absolutely incorrect. In fact, all wisdom and all knowledge comes from God. The world doesn't have a corner on wisdom. All wisdom and understanding comes from heaven. So we don't have to be afraid or angry or frustrated whenever science discovers something and their discovery seems to go against the revelation that we have about God and what he's revealed to us through scripture. We don't have to be at odds with that and get all freaked out about it all because as science is discovering more and more, we realize there's just so much that we do not know about the world that we live in. In fact, we go back to Paul saying, I don't even know what it is I personally am doing right now in the situation that I'm in. And so definitely we can't know and don't know everything there is to know in the world. So we don't have to get upset about that. We don't have to be at war with that. And in fact, Colossians 1 continues saying, for through him being Christ, God created everything in heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see. So the things that we can and will discover about our earth and in the kingdoms of this world, are things that already reside in Christ. And he goes on to say things that we do not see or cannot see, and that brings us to thought number three. You see, the law sets the expectation, and in general, we count on life operating by the law. 
But next week, I'm gonna, we're going to outline how heaven is the ultimate authority, the highest authority, and we're going to discover the exceptions to the rules. And that's important, because here we are saying that it's appointed unto man once to die. Everyone will die at some point, and yet we pray today in service, we prayed for healing. So why pray for healing if we know that something's going to kill us at some point anyway? Uh, we, we pray for God to intervene on the behalf of poor decisions that we make. And yet natural law states that you live or die by the decisions that you make. So why, why pray for that? Why, why engage with other elements if, if in fact there's nothing we can do about it? It's going to rain on the just and the unjust alike. And that's just how it is. That's part of natural law. And we have to abide by the kingdoms of the world law. So therefore, why pray God change anything about our nation or, or the culture that we're in? Why engage in any of those things? And next week, we're going to get into that. But we can't get into that without understanding where we sit in relationship to the kingdom of heaven and the laws of the kingdom of darkness, kingdoms of this world, etc. So thought number three is this. Some laws are overruled by heaven. So some laws are designed by heaven, some laws are allowed by heaven, and some laws are overruled by heaven. The laws of the domain of darkness are overruled in the life of the believer. The domain of darkness is ruled by Satan. And his domain is the most uh, distinctly and the most clearly seen to be relative to God's kingdom. And his singular goal is to hurt God. He cannot hurt God directly, so what does he do? He hurts the people of God. He attacks the people of God. Because God loves you, messing with you causes God grief. So that's what he does. And he is the antithesis of God. So every rule of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of darkness or domain of darkness is going to be the exact opposite. For instance, God is truth. That's part of the rules of the kingdom of heaven. The enemy and everything he does is built on deception. The scripture says that Christ is a lion of the tribe of Judah and describes Satan as one that goes around as a roaring lion. He's a deceiver. We see that God is peace and the domain of darkness operates on fear. God is love and the domain of darkness operates on hate. In short, the laws of his domain are the complete opposite of the laws of the kingdom of heaven. So why do we say then that some laws are overruled by heaven? We take the scripture, John chapter 12, verse 31, to be our answer. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. I want you to notice that it does not say that Satan, the ruler of this world, will decide it's time to leave. It says he will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Jesus was lifted up from the earth the first time on the cross. When he died for the sins of all mankind, he paid the penalty for your sin and mine. Then he went to the grave and he stayed there for three days. And then he came out of the grave and ultimately ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the father. He again was lifted up. And it's because of his ascension. His death on the cross paid the price for our sin. His ascension released the Holy Spirit into this world to where we can live beyond sin. We can live in power and authority. 
Satan tries to attach himself to you and to apply the laws of the dominion of darkness to your life. That's his, that's his goal. That's what he's pushing for. Now, when, when sin came into the world, he had a hold because death came by sin. There was a penalty and humanity was separated from God. And Satan was able to catch on to that. But you and I were given a choice that we could align our life with, with God, with, with the kingdom of heaven. And when you made the choice to align your life with Christ and be saved, suddenly every tether that the domain of darkness had on your life was disconnected. And, and, and he couldn't connect to you any longer. I say overruled because it wasn't Satan's choice. It was yours. Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 say, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. It didn't want to let us go, but he took us out anyway. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So every hold that he could or should have had on us was removed. And so Satan says about you, he says to God, hey, listen, they're mine. They're they're my kid. They belong to my kingdom. They're subject to my rules. Because they were born in sin. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fact. And God points them up here and says, hey, look, look at that word redeemed. They were part of your kingdom, but they've been redeemed bought back and now they're mine. You have no hold on them because they're mine. Praise God. And then Satan says, ha ha, but did you see them after you bought them back? They were driving to work the other day on the highway and that person cut them off and they said a few things that were not quite edifying to Jesus Christ. They weren't really whispering Uh, They weren't a witnessing of Christ's uh, greatness when that person cut them off. In fact, they used a little bit of sign language that was not really. And God points them to the rest of that verse and says, forgiven. Forgiven. And every single time that the domain of darkness tries to connect itself to to your life, heaven overrules it. Believers, believers, understand hell could not have you from the moment you allowed Jesus to save you. Praise God. The domain of darkness functions relative to the kingdom of heaven like this. Colossians 1.16, our last scripture today. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. That's the spiritual realm. Everything was created through him and for him. Get this. This this next phrase almost causes me to feel sorry for Satan. Almost. Almost. I don't. But even in his rebellion, 
denying the authority of God, Satan has no power that exists outside of God's authority. How frustrating must it be to deny the one who controls everything about you? I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you this morning, but I feel the presence of the Lord in this house right now. As a citizen of heaven, you live in the tension between conflicting laws. Sometimes that's hard, sometimes it's confusing. But understand today that there is not a law in heaven or in earth, in the spiritual or in the physical, that exists except in relationship or in relative position to the kingdom of heaven. And what that means for you and for I, it means that the king of kings and Lord of lords controls it all. And if you're a believer today, you call him Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now that you would give us strength in the journey. We surrender ourselves to you in every way. We offer you our hearts, our minds, our understanding. We, we're not leaning to our own understanding, but in all our ways, we're acknowledging you. Trusting you to direct our paths. Every kingdom exists relative to you, to your kingdom. Thank you for that. Thank you for the understanding of your word. Let our hearts and our minds be expanded by you. I pray that somebody that's been struggling would find comfort and peace. Pray that somebody that's not understood why something happened would begin to get a glimmer of understanding. I pray that your word would minister far beyond my capacity to express it. As you do what only you can do, Holy Spirit. I give you thanks and praise for it in the awesome name of Jesus. Can everybody say amen? we stand our feet. Prayer partners are coming forward. We're going to sing. If you need to pray, would like to join with somebody in prayer, come forward. If not, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you. I've gone too long. I promise you, you're not missing lunch right now. You're good. That's the next service. Thank you for being here today. I pray God's blessing and his peace upon you and upon your home. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. If you need prayer, come forward. If you're ready to go, God bless you.